ready for tomorrow's news today. You're listening to Speak Life with Marty Lee. Hello and welcome to Speak Life. We are so glad that you've joined us and you're tuned into the broadcast here. We have a great and a powerful guest with us today, Prophet Dale Mast. And uh, Dale is a, a friend and a, uh, a very strong and accurate prophet, a pastor, uh, author of several books. Uh, you know, he ministers to a wide variety of people and from music stars to significant uh, entrepreneurs and businessmen. Uh, he's a sought-after conference speaker and someone who has a now word from the Lord in his mouth. And he's a true prophet of the Lord, and uh, I just appreciate him. And he'll be with us in just a moment. But before we go over to Dale, I wanted to take a few moments and encourage you and share some things that I hope will bless you today. <clears throat> I believe we are in a time of shifting. You can call it transition or or what have you, but... Uh, things are moving, and they're moving out of our control, uh, but not out of the Lord's control, in the Lord's control, actually. And uh, in other words, you may not feel like you can do anything to affect the outcome of some things, uh, but when things are out of your hands, you can rest assured they're in the Lord's hands. Amen. Uh, when things look like they're falling apart, really, they're probably falling in place. And, you know, God is truly expediting, I believe, and accelerating things for your good. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12 says, For I know the plans that I have for you. The, in, the implication is we don't know, uh, but God knows the plans that he has for us, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then verse 12 is very key. It says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. How many of you really believe God listens to us and that he has great plans for us? And, you know, sometimes you just need to encourage yourself. God has heard your prayers. Your prayers are not just coming out of your mouth and falling on the floor. No, God hears you, and he knows what your needs are, and he's working through things. And his plan is to bless you and to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. Amen? And, uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin one of the founders of this nation, founding fathers of this nation, he said, I've lived long enough to know one thing. The Lord Almighty rules in the affairs of men. Listen, God is still in control, and Jesus is still Lord. Amen? He hears your every cry, and he's working behind the scenes in the Spirit right now, turning everything around just for you. In this new season of life, I want to encourage you to resolve to add a few things into your life. Add to your life. Add more time in prayer. Add more time in drawing closer to the Lord and His Word. Add more time with others, loving your family, loving your friends, uh, spending more time with them. Use your time. Spend it wisely. You know, as a pastor, I've done a lot of, uh, of bedside prayers and funerals. And, uh, you know, many people in their last days... Uh, when they know they're going home to be with the Lord, they never have said, I wish I had more money. <clears throat> no, the things that they say are, I wish I spent more time with my wife. I, sp I wish I spent more time with my kids or with my husband. Or uh, I wish I was able to tell them how much I love them and appreciate them even more. I wish I did more good things for other people. 
I wish I did more for God. You know, I want to encourage you. Uh, break out of the the pace of just running the rat race and start adding more uh, time with the Lord into your life. Become a warrior of God's love. Spend time with Him and spend time loving the people in your family. Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, it says, For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, why? so why am I saying all of these things? I'm saying all these things because we're going to talk tonight about fulfilling destiny. And there's a passion and a fuel inside every one of us uh, called vision. And that's causing us uh, to to go for it. And I believe you're destined for greatness. And in these days of destiny, uh, God has something great for you. But let's keep things in proper focus and proper balance. Amen. I believe God right now is growing seeds of greatness in destiny within you right now. And I believe right now doors are about to open to you, doors of blessing, doors of opportunity. Well, Brother Marty, you don't know the challenges we're facing right now. I may not know all that you're going through, and I'm not unsympathetic to it. But I do know this. God is working everything together for your good. And there are priorities in life uh, that need to be in place, and family and on our on our relationship with the Lord has to be at the top. You know, every crisis. For those of you that are just looking at the things that you're going through, every crisis has potential for something great to come out of it. You know, the Chinese word for crisis uh, is Bing Chao. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know the word in Chinese, but it is uh, made up of two words. Just a little humor. Uh, is made up of two words, and one word is trouble or intense danger, and the other word is hidden opportunity, hidden opportunity. So if you'll stay teachable and humble and submitted to the Lord, even going through challenges, he'll open your eyes to a hidden opportunity that'll bless you, regardless of what's going on in the world around you. You know, this show is called Speak Life. Uh, Because I believe God is training a prophetic generation to walk in the prophetic anointing to speak life into every valley of dry bones that you may encounter. Uh, Better things are always possible, no matter what it may look like. How can you say that? Uh, Because you and I have received the blessings of Abraham. Because Christ died upon that tree, now all those blessings belong to you and me. You know, the blessing of Abraham is health. It's wealth, it's long life, and I prophesy that over my family right now. I prophesy that over my staff right now. I prophesy that over our ministry and over our church. I prophesy it over you and all the viewing audience, and I prophesy it over every extended church member that belongs to this house. Amen. The blessing of the Lord, I believe, will now begin to overtake you and suddenly show up in your life. You know, God showed me that this is a time of restoration and recovery. Restoration and recovery. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, Speak life. Don't allow negative conversation to come out of your mouth. Uh, Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a check so that you're not speaking words uh, to empower death. Speak words that empower and, and release life. Amen.
I have a new set of presuppositions. I choose to believe that everything is going to turn out just fine. I've read the word. I've spent time with the Lord. And I know God is working all these things together for good. David said, let them say continually. Let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. That's speaking life. You know, let them say it continually. You may feel like Paul in a prison tonight. But I'm choosing to believe that there's an earthquake that'll frighten off your enemy and release a powerful breakthrough for you and for everyone around you. Amen. Uh, there's a hidden opportunity no matter what crisis you're, you're facing. You know, the facts may say one thing, but the prophetic facts always need to be factored in. I've heard all the information, uh, but I believe that's not all the information. There's more. There's prophetic facts and the facts will bend. Uh, uh, when you add in the prophetic facts, the facts that you're looking at will bend, and they'll shift, and they'll churn, turn until it lines up with the truth. I don't want just some of the facts. I want all of the facts. Amen? So start declaring, I am wealthy. I am prosperous. I am blessed, right? Like David had to change his, his presuppositions. I am a king. Uh, he had a prophetic perspective. He believed the word of God and he began to speak it out. Uh, there's an invasion of prophetic revelation right now. Your senses feel it. Your heart believes it. And, and you can't begin to live without it. He's acting, David was acting like he was wealthy uh, uh, and already acting like a king. You need to act like you're wealthy. Uh, you, you need to act like you're already healed. Amen. David was acting like he was already the king when he was still in a cave because he heard the end of the matter. Amen. And that has, uh, has set the presuppositions in order uh, for you to overcome and for you to occupy. And we've got to understand that. This is a time of restoration and recovery, but you've got to get aligned in your thinking in every way possible uh, with the kingdom of God and speaking life and, and thinking like God thinks. He's already spoken words uh, that he expects you to wage a good warfare with, uh, a new set of presuppositions that you could overcome, that you can occupy, and you can see a time of restoration and recovery. You know, suddenly God is breaking through and turning everything around just for you. I always like to say there's three kinds of people in the kingdom of God. There's risk takers, there's caretakers, and there's undertakers. There's the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and 100-fold. Amen? Caretakers are always poking their nose in things. Undertakers, they're always trying to prop up dead religion. Or you can be a risk taker. Those who will walk on water. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to step out of the boat. I'm going to do whatever God says to do. I'm going to face down the enemy. I'm going to slay the giant. I'm going to take my promised land. Amen. I believe you're called to be a risk taker warrior uh, who occupies until the Lord comes through for you. Scripture says, let the weak say, I am strong. Uh, and you know that defined means I am a warrior. That's literally what it says. Let the weak say, I am strong. I am a warrior. Amen. And I believe God is challenging many people to step out of your comfort zone, to begin to believe God, to begin to speak it out, no matter how crazy it may look like uh, to everybody else around you, but become a risk taker for God. Amen. 
Amen. I just want to encourage you before we uh, shift gears now, and and uh, I want to bring on a very special guest, uh, a friend who's been a friend for more than 20 years now, and uh, I just uh, honor and respect him as a prophet of God, and uh, please welcome with me Prophet Dale Mast. Welcome to Speak Life, Prophet Dale Mast. Uh, welcome, Dale. We're so glad you could be with us here today. You know, I've known you and Luann for a very long time now, uh, but why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I was raised in a Mennonite home, spirit-filled uh, in college, and uh, I thought I was a, just a pastor, and later on I remember Bishop Bill Hammond saying, well, you're a pastor, but you're really a prophet who pastors, and it switched my identity and changed the trajectory of my destiny and mm. purpose, and I still pastor, but I know the important thing is to live as a prophet, and it's been a phenomenal journey in the Spirit of God, and uh, I just appreciate uh, what the Lord brought into my life through other prophetic voices, which we all need. Yeah, I agree. We are uh, so blessed to have the relationships that we have in the kingdom, and uh, and uh, you know we are privileged to be a part of a a company of prophets and apostles that are some of the best in, uh, in the world today, and uh, have such clear. Uh, direction and understanding and, and insight into what God is saying and doing in the church. And, you know, this is a really exciting time in the kingdom of God. And uh, I'm excited to hear what you sense God is saying. You know, some people are prophesying doom and gloom, uh, but I don't resonate with that. I'm sensing more that this is a time of restoration and recovery. And uh, I believe we are in a time of the great awakening uh, a time of a great comeback. And uh, what do you sense the Lord is saying to the church in this hour? Well, first of all, we should remember some things that we should never forget. God chose to send Jesus, his greatest uh, visitation revival, in the middle while his people were under Roman oppression. You use black velvet to display a diamond, not a, a white background. So whenever you see darkness, that's when Father God really wants to show up and show off. And once we understand that he hosted in the fullness of time, in a time the, that his people would not have chosen, that was God's chosen time. And I think if we can think of that, then we know we're right on the edge of a one billion soul revival that people are prophesying. It is actually the greatest hour for the church. I didn't say the easiest. And we have to differentiate those two truths. <clears throat> Oh, I absolutely agree. Uh, I know it's uh, a difficult time for a lot of people. You know, the, we, we have the uh, economy, uh, we have gas prices right now, and, uh, you know, we've, of, of course, have lived long enough to see these kind of things come and go. Uh, but what the Lord showed me in uh, 1 Kings 18, uh, where you have uh, Prophet Elijah, there was a very bad economy, uh, the people of Israel were in a great financial collapse. Uh, the supply chain was interrupted. Uh, food was in short supply, right? Uh, there was a drought, and uh, and this was really the impact of Jezebel and Ahab uh, and an invasion of uh, Baal worshippers and false prophets who were 
ruling the airwaves in that day with their depressing uh, prognostications and predictions. And uh, God had an answer for all of that. Uh, and the answer came through the, the prophet's mantle, the prophet's anointing. And uh, prophet Elijah, uh, he comes on the scene, and uh, first thing he does is rebuilds the altar of the Lord. And, you know, I think right now uh, God is calling the church to, when I say a great comeback, part of the great comeback, I believe, is coming back to church, rebuilding the altar of the Lord uh, in the midst of all that we're seeing going wrong. Um, you know, I think that's part of uh this generation, we have to rebuild the altar of the Lord. Uh, one of the things he said was, uh, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? Uh, either yes. you're of the kingdom or you're not, you know. And uh, so go, go ahead. You pick up from there. Well, you know, it's very interesting that when I feel that the spirit of Jezebel forces Elijah out of the woodwork. And so mm. if we see controlling spirits, we see evil plans, that means uh, you know, people want to talk about the Jezebel, but I'm looking around for the Elijahs. When yes. people see Goliath, they want to talk about bad times, but I'm looking for the David. I'm looking mm. for the David in you. And, you know, some some people right now think, well, that's just going to be a couple special people. But if God is restoring the tabernacle of David, which he is, yes. David had so much intimacy with God, he jumped covenants to the point we're trying to catch up with what he enjoyed out of intimate relationship with Father God. And see, really, every covenant is about relationship. And David, he, he saw the shadows, but he knew the purpose was that, like Adam, he walked and talked with God on the earth, and he recognized the relationship was the core of the covenant. So now we that have the new covenant are trying to catch up with what David had under the old covenant, which is amazing. So <laughs> yeah. tabernacle of David being restored. I believe this, we're going to see the winds of worship come to the earth like never before. And mm. I, I just want to make a little point here on one book that I wrote. It's called the throne of David. And as I hold this up, I want you to think about what it says, mm. leadership and authority, the force of vision. When the angel appeared, uh, Gabriel to Mary, she said to Jesus, I'm going to give him the throne of David. Now, I would have thought, no, give him the throne of God. Yeah. But actually, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Come on. But what, what, what the angel was telling Mary, what David established on the throne in the men of earth, God was going to take and give that to his only begotten son that he was going to set on what a man built. Now, we need to stop and think about that for a mm. minute because... Everybody's saying, well, what's God going to do and God, uh, what's, what's, the, what's the God of David's going to do? And the real question is, what are the Davids of God going to do? And Jesus actually sat on a throne that a man built who had an intimate relationship with Father God. Now, that could preach for a whole hour, but I just want to sure. throw that out because some people are going to come into such a level of intimacy, their authority that they've never had. They're hoping to get back a relationship, but I prophesy there's people, they're getting back authority they've never had in the Lord because of that revelation. Intimacy brings true authority. Mm. You know, David, he, he, the first order of business for him was to, uh, well, I guess the first order of business was to take out the Jebusites. Uh, and I, yeah. I did a, a study on the Jebusites. The Jebusites were actually uh, the worship leaders uh, for the Amorites. 
and so they wow. they uh, and they took the high ground, and so they released a song in in uh, a sound in Israel that was uh, not God's sound, and so. Uh, the antidote to that, obviously, was David and his mighty men. And so, you know, David had to wait five years uh, after the death of Saul to uh, obtain the throne. And they went, uh, it says they went through the waterways. Well, if you study that out, that literally means they they went up through the sewer lines and uh, mm-hmm. and surprised the Jebusites and, and took uh, Jebus and, and David's immediately said, I'm going to call this the city of me, <laughs> you know, the city <laughs> of David. Talk about confidence. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, sometimes we have this idea of when we are obtaining our destiny, uh, that it's an easy path. Uh, but they had to go through the waterways. Uh, they had to climb through, through septic. They had to, they had to go through a, a difficult passage in order to take the high place. And, uh, well, you know, Marty, think about it this. From the day of Joshua, nobody could drive out the Jebusites until David, the worshiper, came along to pull so down right. the false worship. And so in it, all the kings from Joshua on, none of them could take them out. And, you know, God so loved the world. He didn't send a committee. He sends sons and daughters. Mm. But committees are helpful. Uh, advice and counsel is wisdom. But God sends people. And David was God's answer to the lack of worship that Saul had created in Israel. Yes. And so really what now God is taking is sending David's into the church to make us less Saul and more David. So we can take the place where to reign from where the enemy has been holding the church out. Mm. He's now giving us a place through David, our worship. And I, when I see worship arising around the world at a level we've never seen before, I know this, we're about to get our place of authority back. The church is like David and David. Now think about this. David's purpose was not worship. His, his purpose was to rule, but he could not reign in the earth without worshiping the one who made it. So that's the deal that God has. The church that will worship can rule in the earth and those yes. that grumble you know, uh, if we, I've, I've, I always say it this way, you can't help a grumbler and you can't stop a worshiper. And when you grumble, you actually give territory to the enemy. Well, uh, you know, and just keying off of what something you just said, you know, there was, uh, when David took over, when he was anointed at Hebron uh, by, the, uh, by the elders, uh, and he said, well, now we're going to go take Jebusite, uh, take the mm-hmm. Jebusites out, take Jebus. Uh, he made the decree, whoever's first to the top uh, gets to be my captains and my lieutenants and gets to be the officers of my army. So Saul's men were all there as well. Who was Whoever was left in Saul's army, they were all there also. And so David's guys, they had already been through, uh, you know, the difficulties with David. They just, mm-hmm. they just went for it. And, uh, and they knew this was their moment. And, uh, you know, I believe that there are those that are still, uh, uh, as God is reestablishing uh, the tabernacle of David and rebuilding the tabernacle of David, uh, there are those who are still going to be of an, of an old way of, of doing things that aren't ready to just go for it. 
And uh, David, you know, he the, his first order of business after that was let's bring the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, David wanted to live with the Ark of the Covenant. And, uh, and so he, that's why he built a tent first and wanted to build mm-hmm. a, 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 a part of his home uh, to be uh, for the tabernacle of David. And God said, no, you're not building me a house. Uh, I'll build your house. Uh, and that, that was literally God's response uh, to David. Uh, and you know his yeah. house was all the way to Jesus. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's that's amazing. What what I believe, we talked about revival, David. I believe the church has enough faith to bring revival, but we don't have enough identity to keep it. Mm. In terms of if revival came, we would feel somewhere between blessed and lucky. In other words, instead of saying we prayed for this, we believed for this, we were made for this, this is our hour, See, to me, that's a faith identity statement. And in the uh, the journey of David, what I see, and this is the first book that I, I wrote, and I wrote it on, uh, you know, David perceiving that he was king. Now, in mm-hmm. this book, I need to put it over there a little bit further. I got to figure out which way to go there. Uh, anyway, but this book uh, has helped a lot of people. Can you see it there? Yes, there we go. <laughs> anyway, go forward and... In it, David suffered a lot of trauma and rejection, which I believe the church has been under. Mm. And in the whole deal, he was overlooked by his father, yet chosen by God. Mm. And I feel a lot of people that have been overlooked, and I'm just talking to some of you right now, God's about to pour oil over your heart, over your mind. So you realize, just like David, you're about to enter into something supernatural. You're about to enter into something that's uh, what I say, it's beyond us, but it's not without us. God's about to do something so great in this earth, not by himself, but through his people, that we would bring him great glory. David was a shepherd, but he had to shift. He was a musician. He was not chosen to play in front of King Saul because he was just anointed. He was actually skillful. So my question is, What's your area of skill? Get better at it because it'll make a difference. Then when he went from being a musician to a warrior, which was incredibly important for being a king, you had to lead in battle. But, you know, after David defeated Goliath, think about this, the greatest victory ever seen on earth in in a monumental way. uh, Part of the reward was to marry the king's daughter, not Michael, Merib, the oldest daughter. And when he stood in front of King Saul, he said this. He said, who am I and who's my family? Now, he had enough faith to kill Goliath. He did not have enough identity to marry a king's daughter. I believe that's where the church is. We have the faith to take down Goliath, but we don't have enough faith to marry our destiny, our future. We're saying, who am I and who's my family? And we forgot the God who anointed us. And so God had a problem. He said, you know, David, if you're going to put the majesty of Saul, the kingdom Saul had, which was way up above David, the shepherd, he said, if you're going to put that above what I've anointed you, I will let it chase you until you agree with me. Because the problem is you're impressed with David's palace, 
all of the uh, royalty. You're not impressed with the anointing I've put on you, David, and I'm choosing you to be the next king. So we need to go around the mountain to you believe me and you're impressed with what I've said about your life, not what you think about it. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's where the church is. We're getting ready to go into an upgrade. And every victory, I just want to say this, every victory has to change our identity or it's not the fulfillment of its purpose. David ran toward Goliath, a shepherd. He walked away a warrior and it gave him a new identity for a new season. And some of you need to think about the victories God's given you and say, okay, now I am ready to step up to my new level and to enter into my new season. Wow. You know, I think... Uh, prophetic promises always come to pass differently than what we what we perceive or plan. And so the church goes through a paradigm shift, exactly what you're saying with David, uh, to develop a new perspective and a fresh perspective. Uh, the word perspective uh, is from two Latin words. One is per, which means to peer or to see, and the other is uh, spacier, uh, which means to look through. So perspective means to look through or see through clearly. Uh, God wants us to clear. God, God wants to clear up our perception, so that we can see clearly and see all the way through with a prophetic perspective what God is showing us and promising us and, and enlightening us to be able to see, uh, so that we can see how these things uh, that God has promised can come to pass. Uh, and exactly what you're saying, I believe, has to happen. We have to be elevated. Uh, our perception has to be elevated. You know, uh, Philippians 3.20, it says that we're citizens of the commonwealth of heaven, or heaven is our homeland. So our perception should not be from a low perspective, but from a higher view, from, from an elevated view, uh, or a heavenly yes. view. And, uh, you know, for me personally, I grew up in a very, uh, we were a very wealthy family until my father passed away at nine years old. And then we went into such deep poverty. Uh, we lived in an abandoned house. Uh, you know, we, we I, I could go through a whole kind of thing there. But then um, we were so outside of anything uh, having to do with God uh, and then a church started putting groceries on our front porch. Uh, they saw us there. And so God started right there, like David uh, in the shepherd field, you know, uh, just reaching out and and elevating my understanding. And so we, I had a prophet come over and prophesy to me about uh, pastoring, about becoming a prophet of God, about uh, God prospering my life and all these different things. I had no view of that. And I had to go through all kinds of identity things, exactly what you what your book uh, outlines, in, in order to become who God made me to be. And I'm still becoming that. You know, I'm still growing. We all are. Uh, but yeah. my perception was very low. And uh, God had to elevate me and uh, caused me to be able to have a... a perspective to be able to see clearly and to see through uh, what was going on so that I could become what God wanted me to be. Yeah. Well, and see, every time if you look in the Bible that God talks to a man or woman, 
he has more to do to change their mind about themselves than about God. Hmm. Moses knew God could take uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. He just didn't believe he was the man. So God (laughs) is speaking to Moses. He's not having to change his mind about God. He's Hmm. having to change his mind about Moses. And so Hmm. really that God takes ordinary people and gives them extraordinary insight to who they are to him. And if, if our identity does not shift, we cannot match our assignment. And so what is happening right now, the spirit of God is hovering over people. Even as people are watching us, God Just is shifting. Say that, say that again. Say that again. Uh, our perception has to change so that we can say all that again, because I you yeah. said that so yeah. well. Okay, so until I see myself the way God sees me, I cannot do what he's calling me to do. Mm. God spoke to me in the past season. He said, Dale, you and I could go places, but you don't agree with me about you. And I went, (laughs) whoa. I was waiting for him to say, but the devil's against you. And I said, you don't agree with me about you. And some of you under Mm. the sound of my voice, actually God is speaking the same thing. You don't agree with him about you. Mm. And actually... That is a spirit of unbelief. It's a religious spirit. It's a a spirit, a thief, a robbery, identity theft. When you Mm. actually thank God for who he made you, that is core to worship. People will worship God for who he is, but until you worship him for who he made you, your worship is not complete. So identity theft. Think. Talk about that for a second. Identity theft. So in, in my life. I'll just use me as yep. an example. <clears throat> I had to go through, uh, you know, I was raised in a <clears throat> in Miami, uh, Florida, in the eighties. Uh, it was a drug culture. It was there was all kinds of things going on that were really wrong and uh, just demonic, and uh, and so that was the imprinting of the world around me. And there was nothing godly going on. And uh, an incredible man of God had had the had the faith and the vision to be able to go into the midst of that and establish a, a great church. And that's really what uh, turned my life around. God reached out that way. And my mom, my mom, bless her heart, she, she said, listen, you're going to take your, your guitar and you're going to start going to church with your guitar and you're going to start serving God with your guitar. And I had, you know, because it was my gifting. It was, it was what I was uh-huh. good at. And uh, and God began to draft all of that uh, into the kingdom, and uh, and it changed. It elevated my view that there could be something different, and I started identifying with some of the prophetic words that had gone over me. And uh, I think that when God elevates our view, uh, we can start having a full expectation of His supernatural ability to in- to intervene. And turn everything around so that we can become uh, who God created us to be. Yeah, and and also I want to go a little. Just what you're saying is so true, but that God intervenes. But let's think of it this way: that God intervenes through us. So when David mm. ran toward Goliath, God ran toward Goliath. Until David ran toward him, God could not run toward him. And David mm. knew this: for him to lose was God to lose. Yeah. So. Wow. David was Judah. They were not the Benjamites that had the slings with left and right hand miss. I believe David released it. It was the biggest curb ever seen on earth. 
And I will tell you this. Some of you have the faith to release it. God has the anointing to land it. Some of mm. you are trying to get better. And and I, I heard God say this to me one time. He said, Dale, you're about as good as you're going to get. You might as well go for it. And so sometimes <laughs> we're our worst critic. We're trying to perfect and God's trying to get us to our purpose. What I find is any quarterback gets the reason they don't want to give up snaps, even if their team is winning, every snap they get better. Every time I prophesy, I get better. Every time I sing, I should get better because the anointing builds and grows. Some people are waiting for a certain moment instead of grabbing the, the momentum, the windows of momentum God gives them, and they are waiting for some big event. But normally what I find, huge doors open through small keys. And God will give us small keys and do not despise a small thing. I believe this, that even some people right now, there's a small opportunity and God's saying, if you will step out, you will be surprised at the doors in this room. And you know, if you go into a house, you go through one door. As soon as you step in, you see five to seven doors. And so the doors that are that you're praying for are hidden often behind a door that's unexpected. And like Joseph, he never knew that his God dream would come true when a Pharaoh who worshiped demons put a ring on his finger and said, you're next to me. Most Christians would throw it down and say, I'll never wear the ring of that, yeah. that Pharaoh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But after being sold by your brothers, it's not a bad step up. Yeah. <laughs> or to get out of prison. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> well. But it, it, that's uh, really what I was saying earlier is we have this idea uh, and this concept of how uh, how life is going to go, what God's going to do, uh, uh, what he prophesied is going to come to pass this certain way. And it's been my experience, and I know it's yours as well, that your prophecy never comes to pass the way that you think it's going to come to pass. God brings it to pass in a much greater way. Uh, his promise... Yeah. Uh, is is big, and we just get a glimpse. You, you know, uh, Apostle Paul wrote, "We see through, uh, get a glimpse, and, and see through a glass uh, dimly." Uh, yeah. But uh, we think we we have it all figured out when we get that. Much like David, I'm sure when David uh, was anointed to be the next king of Israel, and he saw. Uh, he, he had defeated Goliath. He he went through that, and th the obvious next step after marrying the king's daughter is you become the king. Uh, yeah. uh, and so I'm sure he figured his prophecy coming to pass that way. Uh, God had a whole different track to work on his character, develop him to that. Uh, you know, I I think uh, some people, uh, you know. Scripture says, by faith and patience, we inherit the promise. You, you can obtain your promise, uh, but you have to stay faithful, and it, and it takes patience and endurance uh, going through the process. And so uh, one of the things that I love about uh, some of your teaching there is how David had to uh, faithfully endure uh, all these things and to become who God called him to be. Yeah. And, you know, I want to segue on this. What I find is, is uh, I wrote a book on this and it's more about uh, shattering the limitations of pain. And yes. uh, through this book, I use actually the, uh, the, the 
all some of my stories in the life of Jabez. And what I talk about is this, that everybody, disappointments come in our destiny journey. And actually, uh, a lot of people say, you know, I was going to really serve God, but I had this hurt. I had that hurt. So I'm parked. What people don't understand is that if you show me the size of your cross, if you can worship and give thanks to God, I will tell you the size of your throne. Mm. What you go through determines what you're going to. And so if you've never been through anything, you probably do not have a great destiny. If you've quit, I'm going to say this. There's an anointing to rise up again. You can rise up right now and enter back into your purpose and experience the fullness of his presence. But this is a time that God is waking up people. He's waking people up. And I believe some anointing is hitting people right now. I just felt like there was somebody yes. saying, I, you just don't know how low I feel. You don't know how de much depression and shame is on me. But I'm going to. I want to say that a lot of time when painful events happen, we forgive the people for what they said, but we don't break the the the, the shame off of our identity. And mm -hmm. I talk about that, uh, about where I had a teacher that he looked at me and, he, and after a pop quiz, we were supposed to read something. Of course, I didn't. I thought school was a social event, not a learning curve. And I didn't read the assignment. He gave a pop quiz in front of the whole class. He said, you're not your sister who was a straight A student. And that hung on me. And 30 years later, I realized I thought I wasn't a real good teacher because I wasn't a real good student. And uh, God, in the book, you'll hear how God broke it off of me. But some of you have been through painful events. You've forgiven the people, but you've not redeemed your identity from what people said you're stupid or you'll never make be anything mm. and it's actually they speak failure over you and that thing has to be shattered for you to fulfill your destiny and remember this you don't fulfill your destiny because you win you fulfill your destiny when you help other people win that's the whole reason why god anoints us is to help other people. Jesus did not come to earth to win over the devil. He already did. He kicked him out of heaven. He came to earth so we could get our right back to win over the enemy. So when you go into a place, you're not trying to win. You should have already won. Now you're helping other people to win. And God is fixing people's identity to match their next powerful season. And some people are going to be shocked, pleasantly surprised, how God uses them in such a way that brings great glory to his name. Wow. Tell you, it's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, and that brings me back to the book that we were talking about, 2 Samuel 5, 12. And, and David perceived he was, yes. he was king, uh, that God had made him king. And it, it was him perceiving it uh, that was the key. Am I right? I mean, it's your book, but am I correct yeah, in that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And if you remember, I don't care what president it is, Kennedy, Obama, Trump, uh, they will turn around and say, I guess I can do that. After all, I am the president. So what it means is this. Mm. The best politician does not win the presidency. The best campaigner does. Mm -hmm. So if you're not the best campaigner, you will not be the president. After being president, this is what I wrote in my book when David perceived he was king. What kicked it off was when another king, uh, whose name means my brother's helper, 
and uh, I'm trying to fish it out of my memory as I'm talking, but he's the one that built David a palace. Yes. David would have built himself an upgraded shepherd shack. So whenever wow. a politician wins the presidency, we make him live in the White House and he has to live in this environment because every day it stands up, you are president of the United States, get up and president. So if we do not see ourselves, if we don't live in the house that King Jesus built for us, a king built us a house. If we don't dwell in that place, we will not wake up and say, today I was called to change the earth. I was called to change somebody's life. I may not change the world, but I'm going to change somebody's world. And who knows where that could go. Wow. It's so good. It is so good. It took David a while uh, to perceive, uh, to, for God to open his perception to perceive that God made him king. And he had fulfilled, he, he was now fulfilling his prophetic destiny. You know, I, I encourage people and tell them uh, it's not necessarily where you've been, but it's where God's placing you. Uh, you know, when God created us, he, the Bible says he wove us together uh, with his own two hands in our mother's womb and put giftings and skill sets and anointings and abilities in there. And I say that these are time-released uh, packages. Yes. You know, you don't realize what you can do till you get there and the demand is put on you uh, to do that. Uh, and again, that's God elevating your perception uh, to see things from God's point of view. He knows what he, how he made you. And, uh, and so yeah. David finally perceived uh, that what God promised was coming to pass. Well, think about it. Every time David went a step forward, the enemy tried to drag him backwards. Mm. Uh, when he was anointed at Hebron to be the next king, Civil war broke out. This is not going the way David expected. Yeah. Civil war is a result of him living his prophecy. And I'm sure that that in my chapter, I wrote about a partial fulfillment leads to frustration. A mm. lot of people, when they get the, the partial fulfillment, they feel like somehow they missed it. But what God was doing was slowly turning the kingdom of Saul to come under David so it would go forward as a unified kingdom, but there was a split before there could be a oneness. And wow. in that, uh, a lot of times we don't understand the process. Do I trust God when I don't understand what's going on? You know, um, when my, uh, my first wife died of cancer and I'm sitting there 55 and I'm thinking, well, this isn't what I was seeing. Uh, how do I deal with this? So what I did was I put my face closer into his face mm. so I would understand who he made me and what he called me to do. And that through the loss that I would be able to see that he had a plan in front of me. And this is the part that I find that if people can get through the loss they can get to something special that God has. And then, of course, God brought Luann into my life and and uh, the ministry just kept on going forward. And it was like a very unusual, unexpected transition. But it has actually worked out uh, for the purposes of heaven. And I can't explain it because it's above my pay grade. I just trust him. Yes. I'm not trying to give an answer. I'm just telling you, uh, I only had one dream 
about my wife that I've been married to for 26 years. So she wouldn't look at me in the dream. And I heard the Lord say, and I knew she was before the Lord. I saw it. And, uh, and the Lord's, and I was trying to get her to look at me. She wouldn't. And the Lord said, uh, she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. You're still on earth. Get back to the reason you're there. And mm-hmm. so when you've been through a loss like that, and I know there's people out there that have, uh, you know, we just have our good uh, friend in the ministry, uh, Bill Johnson, his wife just passed away. Yeah. And, and, and I know a lot of people can be very despondent and be affected, but, you know, she's having a better day right now than you and I, but we're still here for a reason. So we have to get back to our reason. We grieve with those who grieve, but we know this, that God has something in front of us, but we just have to lean in closer to him, not draw back, not say, why didn't this happen? But say, okay, Lord, what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. Trust him. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a powerful perspective. You know, uh, one thing that I, as someone who's known you for many years now is you, um, exemplify Hebrews 10.35. It says, cast not away your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. Uh, You are a very confident man. And, uh, you know, I I know that that uh, is something that you had to develop by by going through uh, all the different things that we all go through. Uh, And there's probably plenty of people under the sound of our voices now uh, that are challenged where they are, but uh, how do you hang on to your confidence as you go through these, as you continue to progress? Well, first of all, is that uh, I had a, a situation years before, and uh, I won't go into details, but it was very hurtful, maybe mm-hmm. 15 years, 20 years before. And uh, I was trying to get the answer, and the situation was resolved, but in between when it wasn't, uh, the Lord said to me, he said, Dale, if, uh, do you trust me? I said, yes. He said, then leave it alone. This is above your pay grade. If you try to come up with the answer, it will be the wrong one and it will hurt you. Can you trust me? This is beyond your understanding. There are too many components. And if you can just move around it and move forward with me, uh, that's all I need because I'm not going to explain this one to you. Now, if you have to explain everything to your children, how many know there's no level of trust? Yeah. Yet we want God to explain everything as if we knew it, that would make it easier. But I find that Jesus said, you must become like a child. If the child says, the father says, come here, the child comes. If a child was standing on the edge of a roof, you know, and I say jump as a father, they would jump into my arms. A teenager would look at me and say, dad, I don't think it'll work. But a child just believes their father can handle whatever he says. And we have to have that childlike faith. The difference is our father can handle all of it. And uh, and in this, do we trust him because we understand or do we trust him because we know him? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So your confidence uh, for those that are that are going through challenges, your confidence is that God's going to get no matter what I'm facing. God's turning it, working it all together for good to equip me for the destiny that he has for me to fulfill. Because you know him. And all these little things, I'm not saying, I mean, I could go into part of the story, but that's not the purpose. All the things we suffer actually create uh, create a passion 
a purpose in us. And you're not known by what you avoid. You're known by what you overcome. Mm. So a lot of us, we want to fight munchkins and have Goliath testimonies. And uh, it doesn't work that way. We actually have to face if 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 we want to live what I call destiny, you have to dream bigger than you have the ability to do. And it will only work if God shows up mm. that you can't do it by yourself, because literally, if Goliath would have fell on David, it would have killed David. If it just, yeah. if Goliath would have felt, he didn't even have to hit him with a sword. If he'd have fallen on him, he'd have crushed him and smothered him. So we have to be facing something that can take us out for God to really receive glory. And so some people that are in situations, they feel like they're being overwhelmed. This is your, this is your level of promotion. If you take down Goliath, you get authority for the next season. And you know, when David was facing Goliath, uh, he started to understand. See, when he just talked to King Saul, he was talking about, well, I killed the lion and the bear. As he's standing in front of Goliath, he's looking at the armies that are afraid. Now he's thinking purpose beyond his victory. He's thinking, now, when, when I take you down, all of us are coming after the Philistines. He's getting the other guys back in the fight with his victory, but he's saying it like you guys come out from behind the rocks I'm about to win and you're going to come with me and we're going to turn this from my victory to our victory. Mm. So people that have a David mentality, they don't just win. They help other people win. And that's part of the heart of David. And that was the heart of Jesus Christ. He was big on not just winning, but he would send out his 70 and he would say, you know, I was back here at home, but I'm going to tell you something. I saw Satan fall as lightning because of you guys. And I'm trusting you to build this kingdom that the enemy cannot stop. And uh, I think that is quite amazing, an amazing yeah. revelation. It's powerful. It's so, so good, Dale. And, of course, I, I know that's the way that you handle things. It's, you're a promoter of other people. You empower other people. And I, and I love that about you. Uh, David's kingly identity, uh, could would you say that it was developed through the processes that he went through? Yeah, I think without the processes, David would have never made it because he had so much of a shepherd background. And while people say that worked for him in one sense that he shepherded Israel, but really remember what his brother said, and now I want to talk about identity shift here for a minute. Whenever yeah. you're about to shift into a new season, the devil will try to, the enemy will try to disqualify you in your past season. So mm. what did his brother say to him? He said, who did you leave those few sheep with? In other words, mm. wasn't very many sheep and probably you didn't even tell anybody to take care of them, David. You're sort of irresponsible. And yeah. in, in other words, <laughs> Uh, like really putting him down. And then, he, then yeah. he says, and I know you, you just have a wicked heart. You like a battle. And uh, I mean, this mm. is the brother that saw him anointed who Samuel said, oh, I thought it was you. And this is a part that David did not get. Uh, he did not enter into an argument defending himself. He said, what did I do? And he just left it alone. I think sometimes we mess up and I know I'm speaking for myself that sometimes I get into confrontations where I feel like I have to change somebody else's mind. And I put it in my book. Sometimes I, I just tell people I can't receive that. 
uh, and I'm leaving. I'm not trying to change their mind. I'm trying to keep mine. I'm trying to keep <laughs> my mind together. Yes. And if I talk to them too long and I become defensive, then I could become offended. And if I'm offended by my brother Eliab, like, then how can I face Goliath with faith? And so the devil is trying to tempt David to get upset with his brother so he'd miss his Goliath victory opportunity. Mm. It's really good. So, so whenever you feel like you're getting upset with another brother who might judge you falsely, don't try to change their mind. Keep with your purpose and your mission because your goal is not to change their thinking. Your goal is to accomplish what God's thinking. Mm. And if you need everybody to like you before you take on Goliath, you will never win because Jesus, the best of heaven, did not have everyone liking him. Oh, yes. And uh, so, so you have to understand that. And, uh, you know, one of the parts that I want to put in here for my uh, the other book that I have and this is important. And as I put it in, Two Sons and a Father. In this book, what I talk about was a follow-up of my David book. Until you live privileged, you really don't understand God is your father. You say, well, what do, what do you mean? I, I will stand up a, 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 a father and a daughter, and I'll say to the daughter, have you written four books? Have you traveled to the nations? Have you prophesied over 10,000 people? And she'll say, no, no, no. And and then I just turn to the people and say, I just want you to know I'm more important. And uh, <laughs> then I and I tell the people, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to make a point. So then I'll, I'll ask the father, I said, are you going to help her buy a car when she turns 16? And they said, sure, I'm going to help her. I said, would you help me buy a car? And they said, no way. See, and then I'll turn to the people. I said, see, we're trying to be more important instead of being a son and a daughter to Father God. Because that relationship, actually, I can get more from heaven than by my great faith or what I've done. Mm. And so we have to come into a revelation that as we worship him, as we thank him for being our father, we're sons and daughters of privilege. That means because I have that relationship, 50% of the time, the answer is yes before I ask because I love him and he loves me. And it's his desire. It's his delight to give us the kingdom. He he doesn't want to hold anything back. He came from heaven to earth, paid a great price to give us that heaven's best. So the answer, his yes, is in his sacrifice. We don't have to talk him into it. We just have to believe that we have a special place in his heart and a special purpose and design. And, you know, like Esther, I want you to think about this. God made her beautiful for her destiny. And, you know, uh, I may not be that beautiful in terms of facially, but I'm beautiful in the spirit for my destiny. And it matches inside, outside. You were made beautiful for your destiny. And, you know, you look at Esther's parents both being gone. You think, what a tragedy, what a loss. But from the other side, you know, two good Jewish parents would never let their beautiful Jewish daughter marry a king who was not Jewish, who was not godly, it would have been over their dead body. They would not have allowed it. So God had to take what looked like support out of her life to actually get her into the purpose of her destiny so she could be a voice for his people in a very uh, difficult time. And in this dark time, 
I'm going to tell you, God is making some of you beautiful like Esther for such a time as this. Will you step up and make a difference in a place you never planned on being? Mm. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. And, you know, uh, I believe God is our dream builder, and he's the one that drew up the blueprints for our lives. He knows exactly what is, what is, what's coming our way. And, you know, I, I believe we are in a prophetic generation, and uh, uh, our perception, back to the word perception, uh, is is sometimes determined by a point of view, and uh, I, I just want to encourage our audience uh, to grab these books, get get this material, and and and, and comb through them. Uh, let God uh, open up revelation to you. I think they're incredible resources uh, for the church to have a fresh perception uh, for the this prophetic generation to have a fresh perception. Uh, and a fresh point of view uh, so that they can do what God's created them to do, be who God's created them to be. And, you know, as I'm looking at the clock, our time has flown by, as it always does. And uh, But I just uh, I, I want to ask you if, if you would just take a few minutes and uh, pray over our audience, and, uh, and if you sense any prophetic words, uh, please prophesy. Uh, yes. Because there's people watching and listening right now, or maybe they're going to hear this uh, on a podcast later or, or on, a, on a replay at some point. Uh, but people all over the world are, are listening right now. And uh, I just want to give you liberty to go ahead and pray and speak blessing over the audience and, and minister life to them. Yes. So I want to, I want to speak this prophetically. First of all, you dreaming is equal to God thinking. Until a man dreams, they're not thinking with God. And I just prophesied that you're going to carry the dream until the dream carries you. And some of you have been through tremendous loss. And I will tell you this, the Lord is anointing you right now. He's anointing your dreamer like Joseph. He's anointing you to dream past all the pain, to dream to your promise, to your palace, to your position of influence. You're going to go forward. And I, I just see like the winds of the spirit wrapping around people and pulling them past the pain and into the purpose of heaven. And this is going to be the time. And there's someone I even felt in a very short time period this year. I mean, even months, some of you, it's going to be this week that there's going to be a, 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 an encounter with heaven where the Lord takes your faith and your identity into the next season and there's going to be a breaking of limitations because God wants to do something really great through you to bring him great glory. And I saw uh, uh, literally oil coming over someone's heart. It was breaking off a, uh -huh. a, a wound from seven years ago. And I know there's others that are different times, but I saw seven years. And God said, if you'll let go of the wound, I'll give you a, a new gate in the eighth year. And I release that anointing for new gates right now, whether yours was seven years ago or seven months ago. I just speak a release of his presence and that God is going to give you dreams. I release, Father, the dreamer anointing of Joseph over your precious people yes. so they can live a life fulfilled to bring you great glory 
in Jesus' name. You're yes. special to him. You're loved by God. You've been chosen. Let's get ready to see the best of heaven in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So good. Well, just pray over our audience and, and bless them tonight. And, yes. um, and, you know, it's just a privilege to have you here. And so we, uh, uh, we you know, I just want to give you full liberty to just, uh, okay. just pray that blessing over them today. Yeah. And, and, uh, while I'm actually, I felt like I heard the name Steve, God's doing something for Steve right now. I don't know where you're at, Steve, but your name just popped up in my spirit and, I don't have time to go into everything, but I just feel like this, and I pray this over you, the blessing of the Lord that adds no sorrow is resting on your life. I pray that this would be a time that the way you see yourself would agree with Father God. And I, I break off the identity lies that have come through pain. And I break off the that you're less than, the, you're not even above average, you are a success. God is a winner. He designed you as a winner and you were made to win. He always planned on winning through you. And I release the blessing of his glory and anointing to rest on you that would take you from one victory to the next. And you're going to, I saw somebody leaping over a very hurtful situation, but when they did, they landed right into the middle of a spectacular victory. Mm. And I just released the ability to have a gift of faith that what stopped you before actually is elevating you to something greater because you're believing beyond the failure. And you know, that always pleases God. And there's an anointing to gain advancement right now. And I even felt that somebody that was in a situation where it was really being pushed down, God said, I'm going to open up the heavens. And I could see like this eagle, these eagles and angels and I felt like this, the eagles of God are arising. You're one of them, but there's angelic activity to help you reach what God has called you to do. Be blessed. And I say it in Jesus' name, rise up and expect a new day mm. tomorrow. Wow. Hallelujah. Well, Prophet Dale Mast, thank you so much for being a part of Speak Life today. And uh, will you come back and maybe next time we can... Uh, have Luann with you as well. Amen. I've enjoyed that. That would be awesome. We'll do that for sure. Thank you again, and we will see you next time on Speak Life. Wasn't that very powerful and so packed full of revelation? Thank you again, Prophet Dale. You know, this this was very inspiring and blessing to so many here in our audience. And listen to this prophet. <clears throat> You have a destiny to fulfill, and you have not blown it. The best is still yet to come for you. You know, I'm just, I want to prophesy to the wellspring of your spirit right now. Spring up, O oh well, with a new flow, with new provision, new supply. Amen. You know that Yahweh, El Shaddai, is more than enough for you and your family. Listen, you have his blood. Jesus is part of your family. He's not going to let you down. Amen. So keep the faith. Uh, Lord, you are welcome in our homes, you're welcome in our family, you're welcome in our nation. And uh, we just remember in Numbers 23, the story of Balaam. And, uh, you know, Balaam was a prophet of God who was being paid by King Balak, who was an evil king, to curse the people of God. 
And so much that uh, even at one point his donkey began to prophesy to Balaam, calling him a madman, saying, you cannot curse God's people. And Balak the king pays him a second time uh, to curse the people. And, he, and God speaks to Balaam, and, and he refuses, he, he tells Balaam, I refuse to see the sins of my people, nor will I even see the wickedness among them. Uh, then Balaam prophesies and declares this, the people of God cannot be cursed. Listen to me, cannot be cursed. The Lord God, Yahweh, is among his people. Jehovah is among his people. And the shout of the king is among them. You know, Balaam said, how can I prophesy words that the Lord has not put in my mouth? I cannot curse what God has declared blessed. God has declared and called you blessed. You know, I want to be clear today. God is not cursing America. God is blessing America. God is not looking at the sins and the wickedness. No, not at all. God has heard the prayers of the righteous and the prayers of the intercessors, prayers of his people, and they have prevailed. And even though the enemy time and time again wants to convince people that we are under God's judgment, we are not. Almighty God is not allowing a curse to come upon America the beautiful. And even though, even in some churches, they tried to say otherwise and try to curse the nation, <clears throat> their words of cursing have no power. Listen to this scripture in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? Behold, I have received a, a command to bless. Come on. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. I want to encourage you today. Whatever the enemy is trying to, uh, trying to do is being stopped right now. Uh, the enemy cannot succeed in cursing you. He cannot stop you. Amen? Uh, has Yahweh not spoken it, and will it not happen? Has God Almighty, has Jesus not spoken, and will it not happen? And God has spoken so many blessings over you, and you need to stop allowing the enemy to delay you. Just receive it. Receive your blessing. Amen? And I want to encourage you to speak life. Re-prophesy it. Re-decree what God has said. You know, Job said, decree a thing. And watch God bring it to pass, and light will shine upon your way. In other words, it'll drive the darkness out. Listen, you are about to step into your purpose and step into your destiny. Amen? Get ready, because everything right now, I believe, is realigning and aligning for His perfect will. Don't believe the lies of your enemy. You are not cursed. You are the blessed. And this is not the end. God is turning everything around in this moment for his people to begin to see his faithfulness again. Amen? This is a time of restoration, a time of recovery, a time of the great comeback. Listen, God is going to cause greater blessing to come upon you. And that's what all this realignment is all about. Amen. I want to thank every one of you who continue to stand with us here at Speak Life. Thank you for those who continue to sow seed into propagating the prophetic ministry here at Speak Life. Listen, God is raising up an army of prophetic champions, and you are one of them. 
Now, if you desire to sow a seed to help us to continue to release the word of the Lord to the to the nations and to have these great conversations uh, made available to equip the people of God and to inspire you, there's several ways you can sow those seeds. You can text any amount to the number 84321. That's 84321. You can also click on the link on our websites at lifepointchurch.cc. That's lifepoint with an E, lifepointchurch.cc, or at martylayton.com. Or if you prefer to mail in your tax-deductible offering, you can mail it to LifePoint, P.O. Box 1822, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 37077. And if you're watching on social media, there's a link in the comments section. You can click on that. And you can give that way as well. And again, I want to thank you for standing with us. And I promise to always pour out fresh new wine from the Holy Spirit. Amen. I also want to thank one of today's sponsors of Speak Life is Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Mike is a great kingdom warrior. He's a patriot fighting on the front lines of this spiritual warfare. Uh, that is impacting us in the natural. He's fighting for the freedoms that we hold dear right here in America the Beautiful. And so uh, if you want to support what he's doing and you want to support Speak Life, please go to MyPillow.com and uh, <clears throat> and check out the products that he's made available there. My family and I, we use these products, and they are truly the best, and I'm not exaggerating. You will absolutely love the products. If you're having trouble sleeping, let me just tell you, you need a MyPillow pillow. It's, it will change your, your sleeping, I'm telling you. It'll change, it'll, you'll get a great night's sleep. Uh, if you use my name Marty when you're there, use my name Marty as the promo code. You'll receive the deepest discounts available off of your purchase. And so uh, some people prefer to call in their order. If you want to do that, they have a dedicated line just for our audience at 800-859-2938. That's 800-859-2938. Remember to use the promo code Marty. Uh, it's a great way to support Speak Life and get great products uh, in return, and also support the patriotic, uh, freedom-loving work of Mike Lindell. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in to Speak Life, and I invite you to join us next week for more great conversations and prophetic ministry. And if you enjoyed this and you were blessed by this, please click the like button, ring the bell, subscribe, whatever it is that's available to you. If you're listening to this on podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Remember to follow me on social media, on Truth, on Getter, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Rumble, on Frank Speech, and all the other platforms. Just look for at Marty Layton. That's at Marty Layton. You can also watch Speak Life live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Central Time on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Rumble. And I want to thank you for telling others about the Speak Life show, helping us to reach more people with this prophetic ministry. Please take a second and subscribe to the Speak Life podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, the Charisma Podcast Network, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and uh, help us that way. I want to thank you again. 
uh, for tuning in. And remember to keep your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears open because God is always communicating. He's always talking. And he only has good things to talk to you about. Proverbs 18.21 declares the power of life and death are in the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So I encourage you, remember to always speak life. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Speak Life with Marty Layton. Please help us spread hope and share this podcast with a friend. Join us again as we speak life into our world.